Welcome to Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and equips you to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 7, starting in verse number 15. Here's what it says. For what I am doing, I love this next statement, I do not understand. You ever been there before? For what I'm doing, this is Paul speaking, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Then he goes down to verse number 18 and he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Are you starting to see a pattern take place here? And then he says in verse number 24, skipping down a little bit, speaking of himself, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? And verse 25 is what I love and where it takes a turn. I thank God. Everyone say, I thank God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, if you're taking notes, I want to speak to you very quickly from the subject of discipline defeats regrets. Everyone say discipline defeats regrets. Let's pray. Father, help. We've lost an hour of sleep. Coffee has not done what it normally does. And the only thing on our mind is food, couch, and a nap. God, I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that our minds would be open and that we would receive from your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen and amen. Would you give your neighbor a high five real quick and go ahead and grab a seat. Discipline (laughs) defeats regrets. Hey, when I was in Bible college, uh, we we had many different teachers in Bible college and we went through a lot of different uh, subjects. For us, Bible college was a, uh, every Thursday night, the church that we were a part of in Roseville, California, had an accredited Bible college, and they realized that there were a lot of people who wanted to go into ministry, but they couldn't devote themselves to be a full-time student. So they, in other words, they had to work a job and then go to night classes, which many of us are pretty aware of. So for every Thursday night, yours truly, along with Vanessa later on, uh, which for those who give me a hard time about my consistent use of energy drinks, my beautiful bride used to bring me uh, monsters every single Thursday night for Bible college because it was three hours, three, I want to say three hours. It was three hours, Chris knows, of, of, that's right, we were there together, of Bible college. We'd do three classes, it'd be about 50 minutes, then you'd have a 10-minute break, and then you would go back to another class. And so we would do Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, practices of the Bible, uh, you name it. And they eventually got to a course where they were talking about preparing a message, speaking a message, and uh, they, they listed um, what you should do when you, when you preach a message. So at the beginning of the message, they would say, you know, you want to come out and you, you want to have um, a positive tone. You know, you want to be full of energy, full of life, which I think is very good, especially on a day like today uh, where we're all kind of like mad at the clock, although we know it's coming every single year and we wake up at the same time every single year and we should not be surprised because it's every single year. But we still do, yours truly included. And so they said, start it off with a positive tone 
and have a really good, interesting first hook. And then they said this, and by no means ever, ever, ever start a message with a negative. And I thought, okay, so here's the deal. Chris, Vanessa, we were all in this together. Ashley, Kenny a little bit. I listened to a lot of Bible school teaching, and I did a lot of things they told me to do. But today, I'm going to be a rebel. I am not going to listen to my Bible college teacher on preaching a message. And today, I am going to start out with a negative. Does that sound good, everybody here today? I'm going to start off with a negative. Okay, you ready for it? Here's the negative I want to give you today, while at the same time welcoming you to Cannon Hill Slow where we exist to inspire and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We accomplish our mission and purpose when we gather together in intimacy with God, community with other believers, and influence in our world. It sounds so positive. Let me give you the negative. You are going to experience a lot of pain in this life. And everybody said, amen. Welcome again. It's great to have you. What did you learn from church today? Life stinks. It's going to hurt. It's painful. I don't think I got to go across the room today and convince everybody in this room for this to be true. We, we know this, man. You're going to endure a lot of pain in this life. Now, the reality is a lot of the pain that we experience is going to be outside of our control. Jesus said this in, in, in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. That is a promise. That is a word from Jesus. If Jesus says it, you can take it to the bank. Life is going to be difficult. Life is going to be hard. But here's the deal. A lot of the times, have you noticed, it's not your fault. Everyone, look at your name and say, it's not my fault. It ain't my fault. For those of you that are 38 years and older, you know exactly where that's coming from. A lot of times, it's not your fault. You get into an accident. You didn't see it coming. Someone you love betrays you and hurts you. Your company downsizes and uh, you're looking for a new job. Your kid comes home with a cute little kitten. Your football team moves to Las Vegas. You enroll yourself into a slow pitch softball league because you're trying to reach a community of people at your gym and on your first at bat you hit a triple but the sad news is is as you are rounding second base you pulled a hamstring because you're getting older and now you can't walk and your kids want to go to Six Flags and you're just going to pony up and do it, man. There's a lot of things that are going to come your way that you, you didn't see it coming, man. It, it just, it just kind of happens. Am I, am I talking to anybody here today? It just, it just happens. See, the reality is, though, at the same time that there's pain in your life that you can't control, there also is pain in your life that you can actually choose. Did you know that? In other words, you, you will have this choice between one type of pain or the other, the pain that comes unexpectedly or the, the pain that you begin to choose. Think of it this way. You can choose the pain of obeying your parents today. I know we're speaking to people who have kids, so we might amen this one. Or you can face the pain of the consequences later. And every parent said, you can choose the pain of living with in your means today, or you can choose the pain of battling a mountain of debt tomorrow. You can choose the pain of studying for an exam today, or you can experience the pain of retaking a class later on. Anybody ever have that happen before? In other words, you can choose your pain. It's completely up to you. So what I want to do today is I actually want to talk to you specifically on the fact of you actually choosing the pain that you are going to go through. 
And I know that doesn't sound too comforting, and it sounds like I'm not quite sure if I'm going to understand this, but I, I want you to stick with me, okay? So there's three questions I, I answer in every single sermon, and I want to share this with you because I want you guys to know um, the, the way in which I speak, not because I want you to adapt it, well, I do want you to adapt it, not because I, the way I do it is the best way, but because it kind of helps you as the listener know where we're going. So there's three questions I answer in every single message. What am I talking about? That's what we're going to do. What do you need to know? And then thirdly, what do you need to do? So every time I speak, I'm going to say, hey, what are we talking about today? It's very simple. Today, we're really talking about discipline. Everyone say discipline. And we're talking about not being disciplined, you know, like you're in trouble. (laughs) No, we're talking about the disciplines in our lives that keep us from the regrets that we'll face tomorrow. So we're talking about the the things that we can do today. So that's what we're talking about. So so what do you need to know? Before I answer that, I want to give you the definition of discipline. And this is not from dictionary.com. I stopped using that because now you can't just copy and paste. When you click on it, it opens up another thing and another thing and another thing. And I just wanted the definition to copy and paste on my notes. Is that too much to ask? Apparently so. So I found a better definition of discipline from a a speaker that I really admire by the name of Craig Rochelle. I want you to write this down. This is what he said, and I thought it was so good. He said, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. And I thought that was good. Discipline is choosing what you want now or between what you want now and what you want most. So we're talking about discipline. That's the definition of discipline. Now let me give you what you need to know, kind of the takeaway from this whole message. And you can write this down. We are going to choose the pain of discipline today over the pain of regret tomorrow. That's what we're going to get out of today. If somebody says, man, what is it that you got at church today? It's simply this. We're going to choose the pain of discipline today over the pain of regret tomorrow. And I think I want to put us all in the same category real quick. So, so let, me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever told yourself, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick on food here for a moment, that you were going to eat something very good, very sweet, something that you really like, but you told yourself, I'm just having one slice. You ever been there before? Anybody? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something, and when you did it, you told yourself, I told myself I wasn't going to do that. You ever, you, ever, you ever been in a conversation with your spouse and you know it's going to be a tension conversation and you know it's coming and you tell yourself, I am not going to lose my cool. I'm going to stay calm and composed. And then the conversation takes place and what happens? It's not calm and it's not composed, right? Maybe not just with your spouse, with the coworker. Like you got to talk some things through. There's a tension that you have to manage. So you're like, I know I've got this. I'm going into this conversation and it's going to be nice and calm because a soft word turns away wrath. That's what the Bible says. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Have you told yourself that for one week, I am not going to elevate my tone with my kids no matter what they do. You ever said that to yourself? And then when you're running on four hours of sleep and you did it, you're like, man, I told myself I wasn't going to do that. Now, here's the deal. We can get even deeper on this whole topic. We, we can get deeper on the side of, man, is there an issue in your life that's contrary to God's word that you have told yourself, I'm not going to do that. We all have. We're all in the same boat of, of understanding that. Let me, let me give you an example of, of my life 
and my, my twin brother's life. But it goes like this. He came to visit me one time in Visalia, and uh, we decided that we were going to spend the whole day together. My beautiful wife said, hey, you know what? You, your brother's coming. You just go do what you want to do. You have at it. Whatever your heart's desire, you just make it happen. So I thought to myself, this is going to be a good Saturday right here. On Sundays, we had to do three services in the morning, two in the morning, one at night. So Sunday's a long day. So Saturday, I am going to honor the Lord with a Sabbath, and I'm going to have some fun. But I'm going to kind of control myself a little bit. Well, the morning started off with Saturday morning donuts, as it should, all the time. So my brother decided, hey, let's go get some donuts. So in Visalia, you had two choices. It was either Scotty's Donuts, there's two different shops, pretty good, or you can go to Doughboy Donuts. I liked Doughboy Donuts because it was like an old school donut shop. I love the old school ones. Slow Doco's okay, but give me the ones that have been open for like 60-some years with the same recipe, and I'm there all day long. Anybody ever heard of Winchell's before? Winchell's? Yeah. What happened to them in California? They're gone. It's okay, though. I found them in Colorado, and I enjoyed it because it was Saturday. So I didn't just have one donut that day. Now, keep in mind, this is a box of donuts. I did not share with my boys. They got their own bag with their own donuts, and we decided that day, let's just go get a donut. Well, one donut turned into a dozen donuts and Vanessa what did we do we ate the whole box that's what we did we were going golfing we needed to carve up we got to get some energy so we we did that well then we get done and we decided you know I'm a little bit hungry so little Caesars is down the road so then we go and we decide to get some pizza because you know if you're going to do that um, we're going to do that so we went and got some pizza right there and there's two boxes I totally get that I know I look mean he looks meaner but whatever the case may be and we each put down our our own box of pizza and then there was a birthday party that we had to go to so let's slam over to that real quick and hey since they have hot dogs and chips we're going to go ahead and do that one so we went and got that and then we went and got some carne asada tacos to finish it off because you can't come to Visalia without getting some carne asada tacos so we went ahead and did that but it doesn't just stop there because you got to have dessert and you can't just have one you got to have 3.5 pounds of ice cream, because if you are anywhere near Hanford, California, Superior Dairy is calling your name, and that day it called our name, and by the way, we finished the whole thing. Do I have one more after that one that shows these guys the bread? That's how big that is, in case you didn't get that from the first picture. Some of you are like, when church is over, I'm taking a two and a half hour drive to Hanford. Go ahead. Go for it. You won't regret it. Well, you will later, but... Self-control. Now, I know I'm making fun of myself, right? But I kid you not. Like, at that time, you can ask Vanessa. We were, we were joking. Every post that we did on social media put hashtag bulking. We're, we're bulking up. But the reality is, way too much. No self-control. And to this day, I'm still paying for it because the only thing I ever want is that ice cream right there. Jacob decided to read his whole Bible, his, his action Bible, 720 pages uh, it's, a, it's a great kid's Bible, and he read it over the course of a few months, and so we decided, hey, let's go reward this thing. So we take the kid to Six Flags for the day. He rides every roller coaster because he's crazy. I don't know where he gets that from. He loves the thrill. have no idea where he gets that from. And so we went, Dad, but man, we're walking around, and every sign I see are either Takis or Twix. And I'm like, well, I'm not spending five bags or five bucks on Takis and, and four bucks on Twix. So as soon as we got done at Six Flags, I went straight to the gas station, got it for a cheaper price, and ate the whole thing. No self-control. Now, I know I'm having some fun here, but, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Like me, maybe in some situation, have you ever done something you told yourself you wouldn't do? 
We've all done it. You all have all done this, or you've either laughed because you've been in the same place. In our opening scripture, that's kind of what's taking place here, but on a much more deeper level. Paul says, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do. And he starts to give off this whole deal. And then in verse number 24, he sounds like he's gotten to the place where he just goes, man, I'm never going to figure this out. He sounds like there's no hope. What's going to happen? I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I do it. It's wrong. But then in verse number 25, he completely changes his tone. And he says this. He says, but here's the deal. With God or with Jesus, I don't have to do it on my own. And that's really the point of the message that we're talking about here today. It's simply this, that on our own, we are prone to, over time, making wrong decisions, doing what we don't want to do, saying what we don't want to say. And so what we got to understand is if we put Jesus alongside of us, because if Jesus can't fix your problem, it can't be fixed. So you put him alongside of you, and with his help, he helps you do the disciplines that you need to keep yourself from regret. And when you look at the Apostle Paul, here's what you begin to see. You begin to see the progression. He begins to get some things. Let's notice 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Watch the progressions of his words here, okay? He says, do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but one receives the prize? Then he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. And then he says this, verse 27, but I, what's that word say? Discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So notice he uses this word Discipline. Now, the root word for discipline is the same root word that creates the word disciple. Everyone say disciple. We are disciples of Jesus following Christ, so we are disciplined as disciples. Now, Paul is speaking to an audience a lot like us who would understand the, the games back in the day. In other words, like we have the Olympics here today, which a lot of us, man, we, we go head first in the Olympics, man. We love it, whether they're winter or summer, America, here we go, or whoever we're cheering for. It's like when the Olympics come on, it's as if the world stops and they draw all of their attention to, the, to this deal. It's the same thing. Paul is using this analogy because they are so enwrapped in the games of their day. And see, what athletes would do is they would go into a 10-month, very, very strict training program. No junk food. (laughs) I'm gone right there. Okay? No extracurricular activities. No alcohol. They They would put themselves in extreme heat and extreme cold, and they would begin to train and to shock their bodies to be ready for this. In other words, they were very disciplined in what they did. Now, I want you to notice what else the Bible says about discipline, because in every message, we're trying to give you scriptures to help you understand. So look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and what's that word say? Self-disciplined, holy, and disciplined. Look at Titus 1, 8. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, 
and discipline. The Bible's teaching right there about elders in the church and those who assume a leadership role that that they should be hospitable, they should be kind, they should love what is good, self-controlled. But then it goes on to say that they should also be disciplined. So the idea that we're getting at and what we need to know again is that we're going to choose the pain of discipline today over the pain of regret tomorrow. Okay, now here's the question. I see some of you, man, it's like, whew, come on, Pastor Rich, that hour's getting me. Focus in right here. Okay, ready? What do we do with this? So if discipline keeps us from the regrets of tomorrow, if discipline puts us on a course to be what God wants us to be, what are the things that we need to do to live disciplined lives as believers? And I think it's a great question And it's worth answering. So I'm going to answer it with two application questions, okay? So I'm going to be like Jesus. They would ask Jesus a question. He would respond with a question. And it's going to cause you and lead you to start thinking for yourself, what is it that I've got to do to make this happen? So so number one is simply this, is you have to ask yourself, what do I want most? If I'm going to be a person that's disciplined in the things of God, treating people right, Loving our neighbor, using my gifts, loving my spouse, raising my kids, being in a community, being on a team, I have to ask myself, what do I want most? It's an important question, okay? So someone would say, okay, well, I want to take God more seriously. That's great. I want to get in better shape. It's great. I want to get out of debt. I want to manage my money. That's great. I want to improve my marriage from, from good to great. I think that's awesome. I want to be a great college student so I can build a career and make a difference in my world. That's great. You, you got to begin to consider what do I want most. Listen, have you ever asked yourself that? Or have you just simply just said, I'm just here in life and I'm just going to exist? I'm just going to kind of let things just kind of happen the way that they do. And hope that it just kind of turns out okay. I know this is a big, deep question, but man, it's so important if you're going to live a disciplined life. If you cannot determine what you want most, you will just drift in life. And let me tell you about drifting. People with no purpose and people who can't answer the question what they want, they they drift. They're not divinely directed. So you have to get to a place in this life where you just go, okay, even where I am right now, I've gotten myself here. More importantly, I believe God has gotten yourself here, and he has a purpose for your life, no matter how young or how old. But you've got to be able, in in, in your prayer time and in your life, begin to ask yourself, God, what should be the most important thing in my life right now? And could I just tell you that sometimes it comes in seasons, and that's okay, I've noticed people usually don't give up generally, generally in life. They give up in seasons because they don't understand the seasons. Most people give up in seasons when it gets rough and hard and they miss the perfection that takes place and the process that takes place in their life because the season gets too hard. And what do they do? They bounce. And here's what it comes back to. If I know what matters most, good and bad season, I'm still in the game. Still got purpose. Listen, let me just encourage you. If you're in a difficult season 
in your mind, in your heart, in the practical things of life. Don't give up. Don't become, what's the Bible say? Don't become weary in doing good. For in due time, you will reap a harvest. And then it says, if you don't quit. Sometimes the best thing you can do every single morning is get up, get out of bed, and go do your thing. Just keep showing up. For some of you, if your job is driving you nuts, just keep showing up. And if you've determined that you want something better, that's more, then you start putting those steps into place. But you keep showing up, and then you keep putting the work in, and you keep praying to God. You ask God, God, you open up those doors, for your word declares that you open up doors that no man can open, and you shut doors. God can do that stuff. So if you're in a difficult season, it ain't over. It's not done. I'm going to get a little bit loud today. Man, so many people let life and circumstances and the ups and downs just pause their progress. And you miss out on the beauty. I'm going to tell you right now, and you can ask Vanessa this. I believe this to be true. The greatest seasons in my life have been the most difficult ones. Because I've learned the most from those. I've felt the gentleness of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know there's a side of God that you can only experience when your heart is torn? When uncertainty is knocking at your door and you don't know what your next step is. But what happens is, is we, those seasons come, we want nothing to do with them. I might be repeating myself, but the greatest lessons I've learned from God have been in dark, dark seasons. Now, I'm also not going to tell you that I wake up every morning saying, hey, God, give me another dark season. <laughs> God, I just pray today that my life would become uncontrollably miserable <laughs> so you can teach me something, God. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It goes all the way back to the beginning, John 16, 33. In this life, you will have trouble. You know what the rest of that verse says? But take heart, I've overcome the world. Wow. I love the fact that it says Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So it's Jesus in me. If Jesus can't fix my problem, I'm just going to keep getting it. What's your church talk about? Apparently, if I have a problem and Jesus can't fix it, it can't be fixed. Yep, there you go. What I'm saying is, is this. If you want it most, whatever it is, you, you got to put it down. Now, be careful here. Because some of you can't just write one thing. You're like me. You're going to write a bunch of things. But I want to encourage you. I just want you to write one thing. What's the one thing you want most? And then this isn't a point, but it's, it's worth typing down or writing down. And I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to bring a Bible, bring a notebook. I don't know about you, but if I don't have this right here, I'm going to walk away and three days later. I'm not going to know what in the world I just spoke on. Something powerful about doing that. Now, if you have a, re a brain that retains like Vanessa, and I know some of you do, can we spend more time together? What I'm saying is, is once you know what matters most, I want you to write that down somewhere. For some of you, it could be on a card. If you're like Vanessa, she used to write it on our mirrors in our bathrooms, important things to us. Now we have a chalkboard in our front door about things we pray about and pray for and some of you are on there some of you are on there repeatedly all the time because your life's a mess i'm just joking <laughs> i knew that'd get you awake right there no 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 like all the ladies are coming over to the house on monday night for the monthly get together like, we got to race the chalkboard they're going to see that we know they got issues no i'm not saying that 
Here's why you, here's why you write it down. Habakkuk, verse 2, watch here. Then the Lord answered and, and said to me, write the vision. Or I can put it here. Write down what matters most. Make it plain on tablets for people like Rich who doesn't understand complex things. Make it plain. And then here's what it says. Watch here. That he may, what's that word say? Run. What are, what are you talking about? If I'm running, I'm making progress. There's something powerful about writing it down so you could see it and then roll with it. Put it before you. If your marriage matters most, write it down. Say, my marriage right now matters most. And I'm going to do my best to make it the best that it could possibly be. You got to write it down. So, number, number one, you got to ask yourself, what do, I, what do I want most? Number two, you got to ask yourself, what do I need to choose now to achieve what I want most later? You ever had those candies called now and later? You got to do something now. You chew those things now, they are still in your mouth later. That's why they call it a now and later. And then they got really cool and they made the soft, chewy ones. I'm like, thank you for that. You know, back in the day, you'd stick it under your leg to get it all soft and gooey. You know what I'm talking about. All you baseball players, listen, you got to ask yourself, what do I need to choose now to achieve what I want most later? Because here's the thing, here's the thing. Nothing is dynamic until it's specific. You got to name that thing. Okay, so you say, I, I really want to be close to God. I think that's important. Here's the question, what do I do? Well, you got to be with God. You got, you got, listen, first and foremost, you got to put Jesus at the center. If, if you want to be close to God, put Jesus at the center of your life and then discipline yourselves to do the things that you have to do. Get in the word of God. Get on the YouVersion Bible app. Make God's house a priority in your life. Get around God's people and worship and lift your hands and sing and clap. I don't care if you can't sing. There's a lot of people in this room that can't sing. I hear them every week. And then I sing and I go, I'm just like them. This is great. But you get in God's house. You know what you do? You start serving. You get on a team. You get in kids ministry. You get on the worship team if you could sing. You, 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 you do media. You greet people at the front door. If you want to get close to God, you got to do those things. You get in community. You get in groups. You begin to grow. You get around the people of God. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to get close to Jesus. It's going to happen. You're saying, I want to get in better shape. What do I do? Go to a gym. Build a gym. Get a trainer. Go on a diet. Simply how it works. You say, I want a great marriage. What do I do? Well, start praying together. Maybe, maybe you need to do a date night once a week. If you can't do it once a week, do it every other week. If you can't do it every other week, just try it for one time a month. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. I'm sorry. If you need a babysitter, I'll do it for you. Your kids will come home sugared up. See, I'll babysit for you, but I guarantee it will be the only time I babysit for you. But I'm telling you, Vanessa and I, as your pastors, we want your marriage to work. Bring me your kids. You'll have a great time, but you'll get some time with your spouse, and you'll connect and you'll start to talk about those things. 
You got, you got you to do it. Go, go to a marriage conference once a year. That's why we do it every single year. It'll be back in February. Start saving now. Make an investment if you want your marriage to be great. Get a conversation. You say, I, I want to get out of debt. What do I do? Enroll in financial peace. Nine weeks, couple hours, once a week. You say, I can't do that. Great. You know what? In May, it's in Los Angeles. It's one day. It's 39 bucks. Why don't you just go there and spend one day to learn how to better manage the gifts that God has given you? Everything is his. It ain't yours. Everything. You got to steward that. That's why we don't say we're going to give our offering. It's not ours to give. It's his. We're going to bring our offering because we realize it's all God's, but we're going to manage our money better. You're going to get on a budget. You're going to sit down with your spouse. You're going to say, look, what, what do we need to do? Now, you're probably saying, well, that's hard. I know. It's going to take some work. Correct. Praying with others is awkward. Been there, right? Going to counseling, it's expensive. Listen to me. Choose your pain. Choose your pain. You can choose the pain of discipline or in those areas you will experience the pain of regret. So all you got to do is choose your pain. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media to hear more about what God is doing through our church at Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo. For more information, visit us at canyonhills.com.